Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Faithfully Engaged. Today, my guest name is Ahmad. So Ahmad, it's great to see you today, have you on the show, and, and kind of tell the audience a little bit about yourself. First, thank you for having me on. And, um, you know, I know we're going to get into a number of different things. And, you know, you start looking over people's bio and resumes, and it's just a long, <laughs> long list of things. So I like to keep things very simple on the intro. Um, I'm just a young man from a small town in Texas who had a dream and a pen in his hand. And um, the foundation of everything I do comes back to writing. I feel like that's God's gift to me is to be able to put pen to pad and inspire people in that way. So everything you see from me up to this point, whether it's the coaching, consulting, keynote speaking, curriculum building, ministry work, all of it starts off with the fact of the gift of the pen for me. And so I've been writing, you know, probably since, you know, my early, early preteen years, wrote my first book at 11, first published at the age of about 29 or so uh, when I when I put out my first book, majored in journalism out of college, worked for community newspapers uh, when I left from there, jumped into the college football recruiting analyst work uh, and started writing in that, you know, that's around the time when the internet was starting to become online blogs became like a big thing, especially in the college football recruiting world. And I jumped headfirst into that as the, as the wave was coming out of the newspaper world and kind of inching mm-hmm. into online blogs, talk boards and things of that nature. And so I, I came up through all of that. And so really everything just kind of grew out of the idea of my writing led to coaching, coaching led to consulting, uh, being an author of a book led to keynote speaking. And so everything just kind of evolved from there. And of course, now I'm just in a whirlwind of, of doing a number of things, leaning in a lot with young adults uh, through service and, and with the ministry, of course. That's where I do a lot of my work and obviously doing the things with the nonprofits and different things. But at the end of the day, uh, I just I'm just someone who who's called to serve um, and I'm just really leaning in on that. And the beautiful thing is, is that, you know, you and your podcast and your listeners are catching me at a time when I'm really going through a new season and allowing um, the voice to speak to me and say, okay, uh, you've seen some success, you've been blessed, but I, I want to take you further. And and I think right now I'm kind of in that place where you're putting down your goals on plain tablets and you're just like, okay, um, so which one of these do we want to lean on? You know, and so I'm, I'm kind of in that, uh, not so much a wait and see, but more like awaken and show me type of type of world. And I, I, I'm hopefully I'm explaining that as best as I can, because that's about as good as I have as I'm as I'm looking in and in, in pursuing different goals right now. Uh, but for the most part, um, it's been going well and you know, the blessings continue to come. Fantastic. And, and I'm excited to kind of get into a lot of the things where where your hands are at right now. And uh, one thing that really struck with me when I when I first kind of ran into you and everything is specifically your work with young adults. And I know that that's a time frame when I'm just thinking over my own life that uh, a lot, lot of confusion, there not always a lot of direction and um, just some difficulties of, of like kind of life hitting you in the face. So what is it about young adults that really is important to you and, and why you want to speak into their life? You know, I think I think there I think it's multi-layered when it comes to that. Um, obviously, with me being a sports writer, um, I was always you know with young adults because I'm covering high school and college age athletes. So that's 
you know, anywhere from 15 up to about 22, 23 years old, you know, jumped into the ministry at some point in my life and as teenagers. And, 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 you know, I would go to these nonprofits and they would have me work with their teens. And it's just like, I noticed even when I was speaking in colleges and high schools, I mean, I speak to the faculty on Saturday and later that evening, I'm speaking to, you know, the baseball, softball and the soccer team. And, and I started noticing that everywhere in my life where, where blessings was coming in for me, the common denominator was young people. And as I started leaning into it more, I realized how society and how some of the forces that be were always trying to instruct young people in a way that would not be advantageous to the future. And I started noticing that. And of course, you know, we know what happened in 2020. That was, to me, that was a pivotal year, not because of the virus, not because of the election, not because of any of those things, but because some of the dark forces showed their hand. And, and that's when I was like, I, I really leaned into that time. I had just joined a new church and it was very, 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 I don't want to say strict, but I mean, there's no over interpretation of the word. This is what it is like unapologetic. You know, when everyone's saying the churches are going to close down, I came in under the pastor was like, come do something about it. And that's where I ended up. And so I, I started seeing how there was a, like an uncoordinated attack against young people. And so at that time, my heart just opened up and I was just like, you know what? I see what's going on here. And my mission is to gear up, armor up, to pour everything into them because they're the ones who are going to lead the revival. They're the ones who are going to turn the ties of this country. They're the ones who are going to really rebuild all that has been taken and torn down over the past 40 to 50 years. They're going to be the ones who are going to be like, enough, we're going to do that. So our job is because society doesn't want to take us out, right? Society wants to take our children out. And so I really wanted to lean in on that because to, to be able to empower them to want to start from ground zero, to understand that the foundation of society is, is the family, to, to, to lean in on my young men and say, hey, look, you have to be purposeful. You have to have fulfillment in your life. There's no one coming to save you. There's no... There's no mulligans for you in the standpoint of just like, I don't know what I want to do. So I'm just going to sit over here and drift. No, young man, this is not how we're going to live life. We're going to come up with some purpose. We're going to put some things on paper and we're going to go out and we're going to earn. We're going to be providers and protectors, right? And we're going to build society from the ground up. And the way we're going to do that is one, two, three, and four. And so we lay that out and do those things. So my heart goes out to them because I feel like if we don't invest in the future, we don't have a future. There's nothing to build on if the people who are going to build the society behind us is weak and, and sitting in the corner and, you know, crying victim. Like there's nothing to build from that. And so I look at my youngsters and say, I want to empower you. I want to empower you to be greater than I could ever become. And so that's that's where the turn happened for me. And I say that happened over the last two, 10 years. But the last two to three, I've really, really leaned in on that. And so now I'm I'm. I'm setting aside even part of my business plan. It's like, okay, this much allotment for this level of service, right? Where it's like, okay, how many young, how many hours are you going to invest a week, a month into mentorship of young men and building them up uh, from many different levels? Obviously, starting with the word and building out and coming to society. 
And I've actually done a lot of investment in that. And I'm not done. I'm just getting started. Yeah, no, that, that's fantastic. Now, I'm assuming everybody listening to this understands what you're referencing of 2020. Um, and just a little side note, that was when you talk about just the darkness, um, there were so many things. That was a loaded year uh, that, that even if you throw away COVID, just uh so many different aspects going on. A presidential election alone tends to be a kind of a difficult year for a lot of people. It was just constant throwing everything every single day. It seemed like something new for those that are listening that either didn't have kids that were during that time frame, or if they just might have been ignorant to some of the effects that this was having, particularly on on younger people, um, you know, th- those in school age up to, to their lower 20s or whatever. What experiences did you see and impacts did you see from those young ones of how that whole year, couple years affected them? What, what were your experiences with them? For one, the, the lies that were being pushed to them. And I, I'm not really concerned with where the audience stands on what you thought about COVID, the severity of it and all those things like that, that's completely irrelevant. The bottom line is, is that there are youngsters specifically between that second and fifth grade who are never going to recover from that year and a half that was taken from them. And in some areas they lost too. you know, some of the, some of the West coast. And I mean, I'm in Texas. And so we did miss some time, but we did have some in-person learning because there was a lot of schools. It was like, yeah. And they gave you the option between that and virtual and I was encouraging all of my people. I'm like, send your kid to school, please. I understand, you know, you're concerned about this and that, you know, but in life, there's just inherent risk, right? You know, wherever, whatever major city or wherever city you are, it's a risk every time you turn your car on and get on a highway, right? Every time there's a natural disaster, it's going to be a risk. And I'm not saying that some, some risks are higher than others. I understand that. However, the idea of the human touch idea of human interaction that has been part of our society since the beginning of time. Right. And you cannot just remove that and think that there's not going to be some dire ramifications. And we're starting to see those already in test scores. And so where I was getting upset was the idea that like, Oh, you know, just, just tell them to sit behind a computer. I mean, we're adults. Like if I, if I do an online, if I do a seminar online, I mean, I'm tapped out within like two to three hours sometimes. You think my, you think a seven-year-old is going to pay attention for more than 20 minutes? You really think they learned anything during that time? That some of those, some of these young boys and girls are not going to get on the other side of this. And it's egregious the way the school system was just like a coordinated idea that we don't want to go back in person. We don't want to have the kids in school or whatever. I'm like, look, I don't care if you wrap them up in bubble paper, put them in school so they can see each other. Right. And that and that is where I saw from the school from the school level. And, and then just at every little area where it was just like, you know, you, you shut the churches down. Right. You shut the gyms down. Right. But it's OK for you to go to the liquor store and get you some vaping products. I'm just saying, can, can we can we not have that conversation? The idea that things that it, how is that essential? But the word isn't. How is that essential? But, you know, our school system is not right. But I do I do believe I do believe that that was that whole year 
And of course, you know, let's not talk about even the cartoons and, and, and the different forms of media and these books that are targeted at children and telling them lies. Like the idea that you would look at a young man and tell him that it's not good for him to compete. It's not good for him to challenge his peers. It's not good for him to, you know, go into some kind of competitive battle. That's how we're built, right? And to tell the young ladies, right? Hey, there's liberation and and not needing a man, a husband, right? It's it's, it's liberating to to go out and 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 and, and conquer as many sexual acts as possible, right? You are hearing these lies. People telling them like, like this liberation and just doing what you want. That is not how this is going to work. And, and that too is having dire ramifications. The birth rates are down. Marriage rates are down. Shocker. The more the secularism goes up and religion goes down, shocker, the home is broken. Gee, I wonder who could have seen this coming, right? And so I saw how they were doing all of this and once you do this to the children and then you just sort of inch things up and see where all of these pillars are put in place to destroy everything that built society from the jump. Well, that's what we are. And so now that I know that the children is what they want, I want to go to ground zero. I want to go in the trenches. I don't mind getting dirty because I came from dirt from back in the day when I was doing what I wanted to do before I got, you know, revived and brought back to my senses before I leaned in on the word and realized that like, okay, I'm a prodigal. I'm sorry. I, I've gone wrong, but show me where you want me to go. And I'm far from perfect, but you know what? I, I'm very transparent in my young people and saying, you know what? The path that you think you want to go down, I've been through more than once. I promise you. All of that, what you think is beautiful and awesome and freeing, it will cost you. And you don't want to waste 20, 30 years trying to figure out what doesn't work. I've tried it and it failed miserably. Please, please don't waste all that time. And so my investment in them is, is at that level. In the same way I'm talking to your audience and to you right now, that's the same urgency I share with them because I know that the enemy is on fire full attack and has all the guns pointed at our children, right? All the way from like three years old to the preteens to the teenage years. They want all of them and they want them all in some perverse, you know, secular worldview. And it's just like mm -hmm. enough is enough, you know, and I want to try to reach as many of them as I can. I, I, I want to real quick just point to, to people in the audience of just listening to you speak. It's, it's very apparent that the passion that's there and I'll tell you, that's been one, some one, one thing on my end, looking back over kind of COVID things and, and just the whole, whole last few years, I be a little transparent here. My daughter was born in 2019. So the whole COVID stuff was, I had a little baby and then my son was born in 2021. So those were years that were extremely formative in their years. And there were times that I would go to uh, go to the doctor, for instance. And um, if my daughter was with me, six months old or something, and you had to have a mask on, what she would do every single time was grab that mask and pull it down because she knows who mommy is. She knows who daddy is. And I remember in that moment, we're, we're talking 
May 2020 or something. I'm like, I know they say it's just the mask or it's just the social distance or just virtual school. There's a lot of just, but that's what it is to be a human. Like my daughter actually understood that, that she, she was six months old. She, she knew that I, I need to look at those faces that that's really important to her. And that's what I loved about listening to you is there's that passion there that no, that that's not the way we're created. We weren't created to live that way. And to have the arrogance to think that's not going to have an effect, particularly on the young people. I remember around that same time frame, May, June, something like that, 2020, the CDC actually came out with this, uh, this study and it asked people, I forgot the age range, but something like 15 to 18, something in that range, teenagers. And the last 30 days, have you considered killing yourself, considered committing suicide? And the number was like 25%. I mean, through the roof. Can you imagine one out of four teenagers thought about, not that they were down, feeling down, but they thought about killing themselves? That That's not right. Something is wrong here. And that again, that's what I love about the passion is you're not just going to say, oh, that happened. Let's move on and act like nothing ever happened. No, it did happen. So let's do something. Let, let's really pour into these kids' lives that were affected. Without question. And it's funny you say like, hey, let's, you know, nothing to see here because you'll hear some of these health experts. And in the past, like six months, I've seen some of them, whether it's on Capitol Hill or in the meeting, they're just like, oh, we kind of got this wrong. It's like, wait a minute. So it's just it's just a wipe my hands off my bad. No, you cutting somebody off in a parking lot is a my bad. You ruining the lives of millions is not a my bad. There needs to be some consequences for this because that's some serious stuff you just did with the kids. Like you said, even the little the little nuance from your daughter pulling your mask down saying, I need to see daddy's face because that's important. You know, think about think about the speech and occupational therapy from 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 the from the um you know, the autism spectrum or, or the, the special needs spectrum. I mean, seriously, like what, what's the state of the situation with them? Like, I mean, and my sister works with, with special needs and I, I obviously need to follow up with her and my niece. They both teach special needs children. And I need some, I need some data on that because I know, I know that it's already heavy lifting enough dealing with them as it is. And to go through those two years, right. You think they're going to virtually learn when, when, you're, when you're talking about, even when you're talking about elementary age, like very small kids, they need nonverbal. Yeah. We all need nonverbal, but they for sure need nonverbal. They need to know the reactions of the face to know if you're happy, displeased, if you're concerned. You can't get that through just eyes. <laughs> and so getting on the other side of this, man, this is. I wish I had the answers for what it is. I just know that I'm going to fight in those trenches, but I know that we're still cleaning up mess that we don't even know how much fire damage was done to our, our kids' minds. And but and I'm glad you brought up the suicidation numbers because, yeah, they said the, the percentages in, in uh, teenage girls is up like 40%, and that hurts my heart, right? You know, because, you know, not to say that, you know, guys and girls don't are not both in that boat. It's just it has literally taking a toll more on the young girls than it has on the mm -hmm. young boys. Cause again, guys can, you know, go out there and fight their, 
you know, homeboy in the front yard and, you know, maybe maybe hash that out that way. Uh, but but young girls, they may take that in. And, and if you take in too much without releasing it in some type of way or getting the proper treatment or getting the therapy needed, and you don't think that you want to be a burden on someone and you just keep it to yourself, well, then we have a problem. Mm-hmm. And, and we have a lot of that going on. Like you said, those numbers, those numbers just scare the mess out of all of us. And and that's why I, I tell people after every one of my classes, I teach fitness classes out here. I'm just like, look, if you have a teen or young adult who's struggling, please come see me after the class. We want mm-hmm. to be able to provide resources of some kind. And it's like, I don't even know what kind of situations are going to show up on my desk when I ask that question. And you know what? I don't think I care because once I hear what's going on, if I'm not able to, I want to put you in charge with somebody who does because I don't want any more of our kids being lost in that type of way. Like to me, that that's a very crushing thing when we lose teenagers and it's not like just an accident or, you know, something like it all hurts. But when yeah. it's that way, like yeah. I, it, it, it just it just tears me on the inside on so many levels. I don't even have to know them, but I, I just don't want to lose our young people in that way when because because it, it leaves more questions than answers. Yeah. Right. You don't you didn't get a chance to ask the questions. So I want to be proactive and be like, I tell my teens every time I'm teaching class, if you are having sleepless nights, if you are having some anxiety attacks, if you're feeling depressed, if you're just having too many bad days, come see a leader immediately. Hmm. Immediately. Do not try to figure this out on your own. Right. Because life is not meant to be lived alone. Right. You come in here. We don't care. Bring us all your broken pieces. Right. Bring us all the burdens or whatever. We're going to place it. We're going to place it here at the altar. We're going to agree together and we're going to get down to the bottom of this and find you what you need. Right. Obviously, we're going to pray over you and we're going to pour into you. But if you need additional help, if you need to go sit down with somebody and work through some of these issues, let's do that. We're not letting this stuff go. These unhealed things just continue to fester. We are going to address this with some level of uh, of aggressiveness immediately. This is not something that's like, oh, well, we'll deal with this next week. No, we deal with this right now. Right. I'll walk out of service to go out there and deal with that. Right. I'll stop what we're doing and go deal with that immediately. That's how we have to be with our young people, because they're crying out. And so we can't always just wait on them to come to us. We need to proactively ask them, hey, how are things? And then assess that on a person by person basis. Yes, that's going to take a lot of time, a long time to do that. I don't care. Our young people are worth it. And we need to do that. Parents, yes, be intrusive, be intrusive on your children. Yeah. Why do you keep asking me this? Because I love you that much. Hmm. <laughs> right. I love you that much. To continue asking to the point, it's like you're tired of me asking. Well, then make sure you continue to show me signs that everything is good and that we're on a good page. And that's where I think we have to be with this. I, I, I love that intentionality there of not let's not wait until goodness we we find we, we find a, a teenager that said I hey I just took twenty pills I need to go to the hospital I. I know some of you listening, you might say, well, gosh, that's horrible that my kid wouldn't do that. I pray that the, that they wouldn't, but we don't we don't know that. So you need to be checking in. Don't wait for them to come to you. I love that. 
don't be afraid to be a little too intrusive. And I'm, I'm actually curious on this, especially in this time frame. I grew up like really when cell phones were really starting to take over. So I, I didn't have my first cell phone until I was 16. And that was pretty normal during that time frame. Um, but since then, like goodness, that yeah, five-year-olds with smartphones. And there's just so much access to just everything, anything and everything. And I, I've heard of this from parents of like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to look at their phone. That's their privacy or whatever. So for those parents that are a little bit more timid, that don't want to check on their phone or, or really lean in and, and ask them how they're doing, what would be your advice to those parents to get started in that habit? Well, I know we have a, we have a parental group with my ministry at the church we have down here in the woodlands and and there's there's programs out there where you absolutely are intrusive. Like it's almost like every keystroke they do comes. It seems like a report to your phone. Certain apps will be blocked and different things like that. Absolutely get intrusive. I know you're like you you want to respect their privacy. No, on this level, we live in a, a, a in a democratic republic. We live in, you know, in, in a federalist type of situation in the United States where each state has a rights and then we have the federal government in your house. You are the leader and the ruler. Like, they, like it, it, you lead the you lead the way, right? This is not equal opportunity and all that. No, if you're rearing up a children, especially in this in this iteration of the of society, no, you absolutely have to be almost like a tyrant and find out what's going on on their phones, right? I'm talking about because because the numbers are not in your favor to be like I'm going to trust them to do this on their own. Mm -hmm. No. Find out what's going on our phones. Get those, get those, uh, those, those, those sensible apps on. There's apps you can put on the phone, and I wish I had those, 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 um, those by me. But what I can do is, uh, Johnny, when I get off, I'll go look for those resources and I'll yeah. send those over. And maybe you can put those in the show notes. Absolutely, for parents to be able to basically, basically hack your kid's phone. Why? Because you pay for it, and you need mm -hmm. to know what they're taking in. Right? Young ladies are getting caught up in social media and it's making them depressed and making them suicidal. Young men are addicted to porn right now. Mm -hmm. So yes, you absolutely need to be going in there. And not to mention some of these games are teaching them things that are not, that I'm pretty sure you don't want them be, uh, being taught, right? Telling them different things about their body, telling them weird things about their mental state and all these different little things. So no, you need to be intrusive or and I mean, and really and truly, and this probably going a little bit too far off the deep end. I'm not really, really sure. Kids need social media up until maybe like 17, 18 years old. Mm -hmm. A 12 year old shouldn't be on social media at all. And I know that's going to be like, oh, my, my kid's already <laughs> on it. Hey, times can change. You know what? There's a new regime in town. Because why? Because. Those algorithms, again, are trying to come after your children. And subconsciously, they're telling them things that you're going to turn around and wonder why your kid is has a whole different mindset that goes against everything you're teaching at home, everything you want them to learn from a school standpoint, everything that the Bible teaches them on different things. And they're totally going to turn into somebody like, who the heck is this kid over here? That's what happens when you take your foot off the gas and, and don't become intrusive with them, right? Yeah, it's okay to be a little bit more in tuned with what's going on over there. Yes, early on, it may be like, like if you've been very laissez-faire, maybe that's a tough conversation. Hey, welcome to the toughness of being a parent. 
You know, like it's we're we're here now. We're here now. And it's and there's just too many things that are attacking our children from so many different sides. And it's so subtle. You listen to the beats of some of this music, listen to some of these lyrics. These movies are slipping in themes that are that go against everything that you probably believe in your house. So you need to be on top of that on a whole nother level. That conversation will be tough, you know, but I think if you lean in and share with them and have that family time, even if it's for, let's just say you commit to 30 minutes every day where everyone in the house gets together and we, and we have a sit down and say, Hey, how was your day? What are our challenges? What are our goals? What do we want to do? I know we're, we live in this busy, you know, society or whatever, but like, let's get our heads out of this for a second and look across from somebody and actually give them a hug and actually reach over and touch them and hold them close to us. Right. We've lost some of that stuff because our heads are buried in Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat and TikTok and whatever news station has popped up on our phone. Let's detach some. Right. Put a time limit on this. You know, I tell my teens all the time. I'm like, look, if you really want to detach from that, when you go to bed, how about you plug your phone up in the kitchen? Lock it up. And I always tell them, I say, you know what I want you to do? If your phone is in the room, make it far further than your Bible is. So when you wake up in the morning, the first thing you don't reach for is the phone to where you can't just reach over and grab it. It's on a, it's on the, the, the nightstand way across the room. You can't get to it, right? That's when you start getting, you got to like break some of these habits. And so if you're not used to having these uncomfortable conversations with your kids, let's go for it. Let's, let's. Let's pray about it. Let's lean in on it and let's do it because they want the next generation. They want the next two generations. They want the kids. They want the, they want, they want toddlers. Dog on Sesame Street is out here talking crazy now. You know, I mean, uh, uh, whatever these little shows out here, they're, they're trying to attack all of these different institutions. We got to be on guard. We have to armor up every day because this fight, <laughs> this fight, because while, while we're not willing to have some of those tough conversations, they are willing to have all the conversations. Mm-hmm. And so if we don't have something to combat that, we are in for a long ride. And we've taken our eyes off the ball for far too long. And now it's time to put our foot down and say enough and move forward with this and do some progressive th- and do some uh, positive things to be able to help our kids be able to fight and live in, in a way that's going to be uh, mirroring the values that we know you instilled in your kids from day one. Yeah. Uh, something that you had said earlier that I really would like you to espouse upon a little bit more is this concept of a secular worldview and a biblical worldview. I think most people probably have a decent idea of what that means, but let's say it's secular worldview. What are you talking about? Like it's really just been the last since COVID. That's when all this stuff just flipped. Everything was perfect before 2020. There was no problems before then, which I don't believe that, but some people. Uh, do so what what exactly do you mean by a secular worldview and what is the difference in a biblical worldview you know that's a that's a very deep concept but let's just maybe go on the surface because we're introducing this so the way a a secular worldview obviously is uh everything is about me (laughs) nothing with the community unless you're talking about some community justice stuff where Everybody has an equal outcome and everyone, you know, everyone gets a ribbon and all that nonsense like that. But really, the way I look at a secular world, secular worldview is, is what I call idol worship, the worship of self, the worship of feelings, the worship of um, 
It's about me, the worship of what's good for me, my truth, not the mm-hmm. truth. Mm-hmm. You know, those types of things. That's what I like from a, from a secular worldview. Um, whether you want to go with uh, cultural Marxism, uh, um, egalitarianism, where there's just this, there's just this total going against with the Bible. Because obviously, we as people, we are limited, right? We get our strength, our wisdom, and our, our guidance from the Word, from God, from the you know the words of Jesus and things of that nature. So, a biblical worldview is you know, 10 commandments, right? The biblical worldview is, you know, seek ye first the kingdom, not seek first my pleasure, but seek mm-hmm. first the kingdom and all these things will be added unto you for where, you know, you you honor your father and mother, different things like that. Because a secular worldview will say, challenge your parents and go with what makes you feel good. You know, the whole YOLO mm-hmm. movement, like, <laughs> hey, you know, the do what makes you happy. No, there, there's, there's no part of that this biblical whatsoever, you know, just mm. do what makes you happy. There's, there's, there's responsibility, right? And, and, and to walk the line of righteousness, not only will you be, you know, tarred and feathered on this earth, but it also is not, it's not easy, but it's fulfilling. Mm. Like I, 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 I'm, I, I'm leaning in on that a little bit more and I'm, I'm continuing to work on that where it's like, don't seek happiness, seek fulfillment mm. because it's just like, it's just like when you go into to something that you're this this a challenge, you know, whether it's building a business, you know, starting a family, like anything that takes a lot of work, right? You know, even you just had, you know, you just had your your, your second child. Think about that process, right? You know, from 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 birth to from uh from fertilization to birth, like what mom has to go through, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's not an easy process. But the beauty and fulfillment, right? Mm-hmm. That wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, this is this is a walk in the park. Oh, uh, no, it's not, <laughs> right? But it's fulfillment, yeah. new life. And so we take that from whether you're talking about nature, whether you're talking about birth. And the biblical idea is that there's going to be a trade-off. My grace is sufficient, mm-hmm. right? I'm saying that, yes, you will have pain. You will have struggles. You will have to, uh, to go and face uh, a giant, right? But I'm with you while you do this. I'm not mm. taking the pain away from you. I'm saying that you can't defeat this without coming to me. Rely mm. and lean on me, not on your own understanding. So that's where the worldview, the look at me, it's about me, not about service, what makes me happy, what my feelings feel like to a biblical worldview where it's like, I understand God is asking this of me and it's going to cost. There's mm. no freebies here, right? There's going to be pain. There's going to be triumph. But my father is with me and he will heal me. He will restore me through the trials. And so obviously in the world sense, going that route seems so much easier, right? Mm. You know, because <laughs> they think there's no trade-off. There is still trade-off. But in the moment, it's like, I do what I want. Mm. And so they're teaching our children to basically Go against their fathers and mothers and just do what you want. Do what makes you happy. You don't need to work for this. You know, we'll take care of you. All of these little things like that. And all of that stuff is literally ruining us and it's ruining society as a whole. I I think that's extremely well said. And little challenge for, for those of you that are listening is keep that in mind, that that secular biblical worldview and you're not going to be perfect on this and a great way to back yourself up here of if you're a little confused 
is does scripture speak to it does scripture confirm does scripture deny what you're thinking you're not always going to have a slam dunk case on every little thing but that's an excellent place to start but go watch your kids shows go on netflix go go on hulu disney plus whatever you got just go turn it on i about guarantee you you're gonna find something in there that okay that doesn't really jive with that biblical worldview and you're gonna be faced with some questions here of do do I want my kids to continue to watch this? If they have already watched it, how can I how can I have these conversations? Uh like like you were saying earlier, these these kind of in your face type of questions there. Just like you, I'm not going to say that I am I am perfect on this by any stretch of the imagination. But my wife and I, again, we've we're raising kids in the midst of this. So we are refusing to keep our eyes closed and act like there's things that aren't going to come for our kids. So something that we do, there, there's uh, there's this book that, uh, we're, so we're Baptist, and there's this uh, kind of older Baptist catechism thing. And, and really all it is is these parts that are straight from Scripture and teach our kids Scripture. It's just in a very succinct way. And one of the first ones is who made me and and my daughter says god made me it's wonderful well <laughs> to put this in a in a just a very specific situation just today literally this afternoon there was a toad in our backyard and the the second one is is what else did god make god made everything so there's a toad in my backyard and my wife and daughter over there my daughter's three now and real quick my my wife was well who made that toad? And without thinking, no hesitation, my daughter said, God made that toad. You're not going to have blues clues or something teach you that, right? Like you have to manually inject that wisdom into your kids. We've made a ton of mistakes along the way. I'm not saying we're perfection, but what I am saying is that those truths that we inject into our kids, they don't just happen. You have to make that a priority. And what bigger priority should there be than to inject truth into your kids? If that's not a priority, then you you probably do need to have a pretty good, pretty good come to Jesus meeting with yourself and, and see what's going wrong with me. Without question, and and really you can tell where you where your values are is where you put your time and money. Where do you invest your time and money? Right? And obviously, resources are needed, but we're taught, if we're talking about biblical now, we are to worship nothing, and I mean nothing of this world, nothing of this world. None of this stuff, none of this stuff matters in the big scheme of things. Obviously, it is our essence, it's our, it's our, it's our, it's our spirit, it's the God in us being able to be expressed in others, because it's very clear, well, I won't say it's very clear, like, like you said, we, 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 it's very clear when you lean in on it more often than you should, right? What we're called to do, called to serve others, you know, feed the poor, you know, take care of your family, honor your father and mother. Like you said, if you want to, you want to get started, if if you've never picked the Bible up before and you want to sort of jump back into it, from my standpoint, and and I'm sure there's plenty of scholars and pastors and stuff who who you know go against what I'm saying. If you're if you're just starting off in the Word, I would say go Proverbs and the Gospels. I would say that if you want to start somewhere, go there. Proverbs and the Gospels, that, that's the wisdom and the life of Jesus just laid out there very plainly. 
and, and you get to see it from multiple different um, interpretations from the standpoint of the same accounts, you know, spoken from from different men or whatever. But but yes, you have to we have to be very intentional um, and, and not allowing the world, the worldview, the worldview is what TV, uh, media, all these different things. And they are they have a situation that we didn't have coming up. I mean, there was always TV, there was radio, but there was no Internet. There were no smartphones. And now everything is on demand. And and we really do. And I don't want to, to rehash back over this, but I think it's very important. We have to be willing to have those difficult conversations. We have to talk about, you know, gender ideology. We have to talk about porn. We have to talk about sex. We have to talk about the way you show up and dress for boys and girls. Right. We have to talk about the way you operate and we have to talk about the language that comes out of your mouth. Right. We have to have those difficult conversations. You know why? Because the because society is going to teach them about that. Society is going to tell them you can talk. They can talk to you, the parent, any way they want to. And good luck with trying to undo, you know, what their favorite rappers tells you they can do what these actors and actresses are out here trying to encourage kids to do and what they're encouraging them not to do like work. Right. Like obeying, like um, attending church. Right. And I know we'll get into more of this, but it's like. I don't know. You need to make sure and put your kids in a community where there's believers around them. Right. You need to you need to build your community. You need to build your crew. This is important. Right. I, I've I've readily said that where I am right now, I know God placed me there for a reason because the collection of men around me, like I I, I want for nothing. I'm in a place where, where, where righteous men, family men, fathers and entrepreneurs and, and just good giving, tithing men can pour into me any day I need it. Some, many of them are on speed dial. I can walk into the church and be like, hey man, it's been a week, man, where I'm, I've, I've been in a fight and I'm still breathing, but man, I don't have much left in me. And I'll have good guys come in and do that. Your children need that. You, you, the guys need that. And the wives need that. We all need that. We need a group of people around us who can pour into us at a moment's notice, who can pull us aside and pray over us, pray with us, agree with us. Mm-hmm. We need this, right? We need The only way we're going to get through this is as a community. And the world and society is telling everyone to go into their silos. That's why, you know, they're saying that like in the generations behind us, like more women are choosing to raise pets than raise children. Right. There's a reason for that because community would encourage you to have kids. But now it's like, you know, I love my two dogs and three cats or whatever. It's like, that's great. You know, when it's better, it's better when you do that with a full family so we can all enjoy these together. But when that's that's not a substitute for these greater things. And but we've gotten away from that because the secular worldview says what? Having kids is a burden. Having Mm. kids is too hard. And it is difficult. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying it's worth it. Mm. That's all I'm saying. It's fulfilling. And we have to get back to the foundations of what built this country what built our world and what built the foundation of everything. You can point to every single issue, crime, teen pregnancy, suicide, drug use, dropouts, um, 
any of these issues, that, that crime, all this stuff that's going through the roof, it all starts with the breakdown of the family. I don't yeah. care what anyone wants to go out there and debate on this. I'm ready for it. The bottom line is the breakdown of the family. All bets were off after that. Because when you don't have both sides, there's a reason why man and woman was created to be able to bring that nucleus together because you needed both sides to be able to mm -hmm. properly raise youngsters, especially today. You cannot do it alone. I know. And they're glorifying that too, mm -hmm. right? They're like, when did we get to the point where like, that's like the aim, right? <laughs> I understand it happens. I mean, it, it, it absolutely can happen, but that's not the goal. Mm -hmm. But it has been promoted as the goal, which is why we are here having these conversations. Why, why are so many kids dropping out? Why is there so many kids who can't read? Why is there so many kids committing crimes? Why are there so many kids who, who are who are having trouble with math? Why are there so many teen pregnancies? Why are so many people on, on drugs? Why is alcoholism up the, uh, out, of, out of the roof? Why are young girls having sex at nine years old? How would they even know about that? That wasn't even a thing when I was a kid. And now it is. There's girls pregnant at 10. That's, in, that's insane. But that comes down to the idea of not having community and not being willing to have those uncomfortable conversations. 100%. And, and when it comes to on the community aspect, um, there, there's going to be some people that are like, okay, yeah, I, I, I'm a Christian. Um, like I, I'm here and I'm in rural Oklahoma. So Rural Oklahoma, we don't have any problems here, right? We're, we're for Christian family values. There's no issues here. And then they sit and, well, I haven't been to church in quite some time, but it's okay. I, I just worship. I got my Bible. It's me and God. No, no big problem. And you're hitting on that right there. That there's, I had a recent guest on that we talked about this quite for quite at length. At if you are a Christian, you, believe that there is a biblical worldview out there there's no excuse of not being plugged in a church somewhere don't wait for a perfect church and, and i'll tell you a little bit of, of my backstory uh 2020 we actually found a new church our, ourselves my wife and i and it's been wonderful uh, i share a lot of things of what you just said of just true community and to be raw i I what I loved about it probably the most is that if something happened to me, if I got into a horrible car wreck or, or whatever, I know my wife and kids would be taken care of. Man. Not a question asked, they would be taken care of. And that's everything. That loosens me up to to do more, to serve more. You are not built and you cannot have a true God fearing life and not be plugged in a church. It's not an option. I, I'm not saying if you're sick one day that to be all legalistic that you have to go every single week. If you're sick, then you're terrible. No, but there, you know what? You know what difference there between I'm just being lazy and saying that there are bad churches out there, which were people were sinful. There's no perfect church, but really these are excuses. If if the churches around you aren't doing great, what are you doing to make them better? We, we can't sit here and profess to say that I am a Christian or I do want these values or, yeah, point to all the crime and all these horrible things. And then me sit back and just idly watch by while things are in fire around me. That's not an option. We, we can't 
we can't do that anymore. And that's that's a big part of why I made this podcast is to focus on action instead of just sitting back and watching the news and, oh, did you see how terrible that was? We all know it's terrible. What what are you doing about it? And first step, if you are a Christian and if you're not a Christian, go to church, listen to the word and have that community. You're absolutely correct. And I love what you said, how like you don't worry about, you know, your your wife and kids being taken care of. And I absolutely have the same thing. And I was I was saying that that's the that's the beautiful thing about community. If, 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 if life punches you in the face too many times and you and you're and you're downtrodden, your church community is not going to let you fail at all. Like, I mean, I don't think if if if, if I went into my church right now and just like, look, the bottoms just the bottom just fell out and you know a, a whole lot of unforeseen things happen. I know. I, and, and I was joking, I was joking with a guy, and, and this there's a man I've known for maybe, maybe two years. And I say, you know, I, I said, I have a feeling that if I was ever in a downtrodden state and I just needed somewhere to lay my head mm-hmm. for a few days or a week or whatever, I feel like there's some people in the church I probably can find a find some. Find me a corner somewhere. And he's like, I got a room for you right now. And this is a and this is a man with a full house. I'm talking like a full family, like four, five, six kids. Don't <laughs> worry, we got a spot for you. Now, that's just one. Yeah. I mean, you don't think th- that's what it's about. And like you said, you're not going to find the perfect church. No church is perfect. But I will tell you this. If your church bends to the dictates of society, that might be a sign that you need to get up out of there. Mm-hmm. I will say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you want a church, you want a church that never makes you just feel comfortable. Because mm-hmm. because to follow the word is not comfortable. It is a challenge, but it is worth it. But yeah, you don't want the yeah, you know, it's okay under some circumstances to do these actions. Mm-hmm. Or it's okay to do this. Or you know, love is you know, like all the. Come on, man! Like, <laughs> yeah. like we we can't compromise on certain things. If the word is that where the word is very, very just. And again, like I said, I'm I'm far from perfect. I I've been down every street that you're not supposed to go down ever. Mm. But I do know, at this point in my life, I know this service and community are two very important things. You're not going to find everything you want. Just like you don't you don't love everything about your parents, yet you still love them along with That's your right. children. But the bottom line is, is that you have to be able to plug into somewhere because life is not meant to be lived alone. There's a reason why disciples went and planted churches and they went and checked in on those churches to make sure that as Christians, you have an accountability factor there. You have a praying factor there. You have, you know, people who will look out for you, heal and, and take care of one another. You know, because back in the day, there were no social programs. It was the church. Mm, Shocker. And in the breakdown of the church, what ends up happening? As government intervention goes up, church attendance goes down. Mm. That's not my opinion. Go look at the numbers. That's just what it is. And the bottom line is we've always taken care of each other. Well, what if somebody gets left behind? If you're plugged into the church and a church leaves you behind, shame on them. But I've not seen it happen if you're plugged in at the right places, you know. And I'm not saying, like you said, all churches aren't good, you know, just like almost anything else. Probably a lot of them are not so awesome. But there's enough of them out there and you connect with enough, enough of the right people. Because, see, in your circles, whether it's in life, whether it's in at the school or 
you know, at your job or whatever, you know, find that guy. You know, the one and you're just like, man, Bill is always so grounded, so righteous. He's he's a pleasant guy. Ask him where he's plugged into and follow him and see where he leads you. Yeah. And even if it's not him, go to option number two. But the bottom line is, I always share with my people, the answer you need and the blessing you need, you already know them. You just haven't opened up yet. Hmm. The blessing you need in life, the blessing you need spiritually, financially, relationally, mentally, all those different things. You already know them or you know the person who knows the next person. You just hmm. haven't opened up because you have not utilized your community and you're not sharing and being open with people. Why? Because you feel like you're either not worthy or you don't want to be a burden on someone else. Hmm. The bottom line is you don't know that you don't know. And the second you can step back and take on some humility and, and just come to people and say, you know what? I'm a bit broken. I've made some mistakes. You know, I'm here to repent. I, I, I come in peace. I come in gratitude. I come in love, but I really need some help. Where? Lay it all out. And if you're mm. plugged into the right church, there is someone in there who can get you not only on the right path, but can take you to a mighty blessing. And I'm and I'm so serious about this. It is so important to be able to plug in. And you're one step away from the greatest blessing or the greatest failure. And you get to choose what path is going to be yours. But you will never be able to find that out without tapping into a community. 100%. Uh Maude, there so many great things, and I, I'm sure we could probably go on for hours if, if we really wanted to. But I'm sure people listening are really loving what you're saying and probably want to hear more about you and stay plugged in with you. So wh where can they find you at? Uh, ModVital.com is going to be the hub, and it's also on ModVital on all the social platforms, every one of them. That's pretty much type my name in, and all those things are, gonna, are going to come out. Um there's resources at my website. Um, there's booking info there. Um, there's contact information there. And really, what's also there is an opportunity. Um, you know, I want people from your website, from Truth and Grace, to be able to, to reach out to me. If you're one of those parents who are having a hard time maybe having that conversation. Now, mind mm -hmm. you, I will be very transparent. There are no kids in the house with me right now. However... Sort of like others in the Bible, I've been a father, uncle, cousin to many at my church. And I work with teens all over the place in every area, you know, even all the way down to some small kids or some of the nonprofits. So I do look after a bunch of them. I mentor a lot of them. If you're having a hard time having that conversation or if you have a teen who is maybe you feel like going down a dark path and going down mm -hmm. that road and I still want you to go get the therapy needed for them and go have them see your pastors and different things of that nature. But if you want them to be able to connect with someone who's maybe going to be like an intermediary, can be a mentor, be mm -hmm. a, be a little bit of a, of a, of a, of a coach for them. Um, reach out to me and just put, just put truth and grace in the, in the, in the sub, in the, uh, in the subject line. I'll do a 30 minute discovery call with them. We'll, we'll unpack what's going on in their lives. Maybe just have a, a, a talk, almost like a, like an uncle or a big brother type mm. of situation. I've been doing that with a lot of young adults and teenagers and it's, it's been going well and we've had some great um, impact on this end. So um, if you go to info at amodvital, email info at amodvital.com, put that in the subject line. We'll get that set up for you. 
and, and you know, just be ready to to look after your youngster and just just have a conversation and just see if we can come to some, you know, come with some some solutions to be able to share with you all to where you all can make the steps needed to be able to make something happen. That's complimentary. That's on me. 30 minutes. We'll, we'll get that going. Whatever we need to be able to help this next generation, we're here for that. So by all means, please uh, look that off, uh, check in and get that offer in and we'll uh, we'll do our best to be able to, to push them forward in a new direction. Awesome. Uh, I love it. Guys, definitely, definitely check them out. It, it Mod has been great. Uh, just kind of hashing out. We talked beforehand. We don't ever know how uh, the way I struck these. I never how know exactly how it'll go. But it awesome talking with you. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate the conversation today. Man, thank you for having me, and thank you to all those who are listening. I love all of you, and uh, hope to catch up with you soon. Great. Well, you guys, thank thanks again for listening. I really appreciate all all the support for the show, and we'll catch you on the next episode.